John chapter 20 from 19 to 31 and that's found on pages 10 89 on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders Jesus came and stood amongst them and said peace be with you after he said this he showed them his hands and sighed the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Risen Lord Jesus, we pray that you would speak the words we've just read to us, had read to us, that you'd speak them afresh to us, each of us, that where we have doubts, where we have questions, where we have needs, that you would meet us where we are and help us like you helped Thomas to know you. Lord, we long that because the promise here is life, not just another 10% in our life now, but eternal life of knowing you, knowing your Father forever. And so, Lord, we long that you would minister to you, each of us, uh, according to our needs, that we may know you, our God. Amen. Doubting Thomas. <laughs> it's not the best way to be remembered uh, in history, is it, to have that as your title? Um, doubting Thomas rather than believing Thomas. Because by the end of what we read, he was believing, wasn't he? 
but it's not how he's remembered. Doubting Thomas rather than sensible, careful, cautious Thomas. Scientific Thomas, even. He's simply trying to be reasonable, isn't he? He knows that much as we feel the grief, and you could hear the grief as Grace was leading us in prayer that she was thinking of, as she was thinking and leading us through what it is to lose someone. It's the most bewildering and painful experience. We wish that they would come back. We wish they hadn't gone, but we know how it is. And Thomas knew how it was. He didn't want Jesus to die, but he'd seen it. And so when his friends say, he's risen from the dead, Thomas replies, verse 25, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. He's someone who wouldn't have believed everything he read on the internet. He's someone with questions that we can relate to, isn't he? For Thomas, like many of us, seeing is believing. And at this stage, he hasn't seen anything. Uh, If we were tuning in for the beginning of it, verse 19, uh, the disciples are together. This is the evening, it seems, of the day that Jesus rose and they're together, they, they're excited, but they're bewildered, they're afraid of the Jewish leaders, and Jesus, enjoying the freedom of his resurrection body, comes and stands in the middle of them and says, peace be with you. But Thomas wasn't with them. And it's a week later when we get to verse 26, and again Jesus appears to them all, and he greets them with that same greeting of peace, And then he turns to Thomas and singles Thomas out. He knows exactly what Thomas has said. And it must have been a roller coaster of emotions for him in that moment, mustn't it? He must have really felt his embarrassment as Jesus quotes back to him. You know, come on. And Thomas, oh gosh. And yet, Jesus is right there in front of him. The evidence is right in front of him. And to give Thomas credit where it's due, when he has the evidence, he goes where the evidence points. And he's consistent and he believes. So as we reach the uh, uh, climax of John's Gospel, as in chapters 20 and 21, this is the kind of the testimony, as, you, as it were, that then leads to John's conclusion in um, verses uh, 30 and 31, that uh, this is why he's written his book. So that not just he's telling us about what they experienced, but there's a link between what they experienced and anyone who reads, anyone later in time like us, that Jesus is the one who did these things and said these things. John is the one who recorded them, that we might believe too. And that by believing, we may have life in his name. 
And so John, as, he, as he's heading towards that, as he's heading towards that invitation, that encouragement, that exhortation to come in to everyone who knows about these things, he zooms in on Thomas, the very last person who would make it up. Thomas saw and believed, and so he worshipped. Verse 28, my Lord and my God. That's where all the evidence points. It's what John has announced Jesus as at the beginning of the gospel, the word who was with God and who was God at the creation of everything. Then he zooms in on Thomas, who sees it and responds in the right way. Seeing is believing. And yet, Jesus isn't quite as sympathetic (laughs) to Thomas as you might be or I might be. Verse 29, because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas, you see, should have believed before he actually saw with his physical eyes because he had enough evidence already. He'd actually witnessed uh, with, with his eyes, he'd witnessed all that Jesus had said and done, the miracles Jesus had done just weeks before. Lazarus, Jesus' friend, who died, he'd been in the tomb for three days and Jesus raised him from the dead. He'd promised that he would rise. Thomas had seen those astounding miracles and then he had these 10 friends of his, these 10 reliable people who he knew, the other disciples, who said, listen, we've seen it, Thomas, with our own eyes. He had enough evidence. He should have believed. Because yes, seeing is believing. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed because hearing and reading is believing too. When we hear a a piece of gossip, a piece of news, we we ask, is is there any truth in it? Has that really happened? Does it come from a reliable source? When we read something in the paper on the internet... We want to know, where does it come from? Can we trust it? And if it comes from somewhere reliable, someone reliable, then we'll probably believe it, won't we? Because hearing and reading is believing too. When we get information from other people, they've seen something that we haven't. They know something that we didn't, but they've passed it on to us. And that way in life, there are lots of things that I believe that I've not seen. Uh, Um sort of science things. I've not seen the the, the tiny molecules in my body. I haven't seen them through a microscope. Um, But I believe they exist because scientists tell me that they've seen them through a microscope. And I think, well, I can't really think why they would lie to me about that. It seems a reasonable thing. It makes sense. Yeah, okay, I believe that too, even though I've not seen it. Uh, Another simple example, everyday example, is... um, I don't have the sports channels at home. I quite enjoy sport and I love it when I do get a chance to watch. But often I don't watch it. I just look up the results on the BBC website. And I've found over the years, ever since um, Match of the Day, back in the day, and uh, uh, I've found that the BBC, you know, it tells me the truth. If I talk to someone who was at the game, they tell me the same score as the Beeb tells me on the website. And so when I read it, even when it's surprising, like Chelsea 2, West Brom 5 the other week, I still believe it because, well, they've done their research, they've got someone there, they've, they, they know the answer and they're telling me. 
Uh, do you see what I'm trying to show us? That there are loads of things in our lives that we take on faith because it comes from a reliable source. It comes from someone else who's seen and tells us. Seeing is believing, but hearing and reading is believing too. It's how we connect with people over long distances. It's how we connect with people over time. And so we've not seen Jesus risen from the dead, any of us. But the disciples, Thomas, did. And they've told us so that we can believe it too. And that's Jesus' point for Thomas. That he should have believed before he did because he had all the evidence he needed. Thomas resisted taking the step of faith. And so because Jesus is full of kindness and love... And also because Thomas, like the others, 10, is going to have a really key role in taking the message to the world, Jesus meets with him and overcomes his failure. But, he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And he's talking about the billions of people over the past 2,000 years, including us today, who haven't seen God. We can't see him down a microscope. We can't see him up through a telescope. If we'd have lived in the first century in Israel, we could have met him. But we weren't there. The disciples were, though. John and the others, Thomas and the others. They saw Jesus' miracles, heard his teaching, witnessed his resurrection, and told the world so that everyone who believes in him can have life in his name. And who were these people? They weren't gullible people. They were down-to-earth working people. They were fishermen and tax collectors. They were characters like Thomas who didn't believe everything that he read on the internet. He needed hard evidence. He had it. He and the others met God. They saw. They saw the risen Jesus. They touched him. They wrote it down. And we have John's Gospel and the other Gospels today because of it. It's not some, something they made up. It's not some strange conspiracy. It's something that they knew and it changed them and they told the world. Many of them were killed for preaching that this happened. They would not, even under pay, uh, pressure of, you know, you've got, to, you've got to give up this preaching about Jesus or we'll kill you. But they accepted death rather than giving up that preaching about Jesus because they knew it was true. They knew who he was. And they couldn't keep it to themselves. <laughs> Could they? They knew these things had happened and they wanted to tell the world because, let me read verse 31. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's what's on offer. That's what's at stake. Life, eternal life. For you, for me, for any old sinner who puts their faith in Jesus, who will come back, there is life with God forever. So two obvious applications of that. The first of which is, Enter life, yeah? If he's come, if he's risen, if this is eternal and it's for all who will believe in him, then let's enter, all of us. Everyone will die. Even if you die at 99, everyone will. 
everyone will survive the grave and meet Jesus as the one who will judge our lives and decide our futures. There will be heaven and there will be hell. Jesus and Jesus only is the one who can get you and get me through that. Who can deal with death. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, certainly not Richard Dawkins. Jesus is the only one who has met and fought and beaten death and risen never to die again but rather to give eternal life. So enter life so that on the day that you face death, that I face death, we're not doing it alone because we've put our hand in the hand of Jesus, the one who has risen. In chapter 17, Jesus talks about eternal life as um, knowing God, as our Father, as our Heavenly Father. Do you remember last week he was saying to um, Mary and the disciples that he was returning to, um, to uh, his father and their father, your father, his God and your God. Yeah? That actually, this is what it's all about. It's not just um, some kind of eternal perpetuation of all the problems of this world. It's, no, it's a, restora- it's a restoration now that we know God with a relationship that will not be broken by death. And then we look forward to the restoration of all things when Jesus returns and uh, brings that new world. And here and now, verse 22, he, he's talking with his disciples. We're, we're not really going to delve into this bit. I'm sorry to say, because it's another, well, it's another deep section. But notice in verse 22, he, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, he's saying there's something extraordinary that he's bringing about. Where God, almighty God, who is Father, Son, and Spirit, lives in people because Jesus' death and resurrection has made that possible. A relationship that cannot be broken. Life, eternal life. Forgiveness, verse 23, is what Jesus is talking about. As you forgive, they're not, they are forgiven. You're, their sins. He's saying that to the apostles as they proclaim the gospel. The gospel of forgiveness. The gospel of our souls being washed clean because of Jesus' death and resurrection. That's the life he's talking about inextinguishable life with God forever so enter life enter life that's the first obvious application it's wonderful it may be there are some who are thinking well I'm not oh, I'm not ready to make that commitment I, I need to look into this more there's some books at the back your verdicts on the empty tomb what do you make of these events if you want to look into it this is a good way to read one of these and look more at, well, what exactly happened and how do I explain all the details? What about these events? Uh, They're at the back on the right-hand side as we head out. Do grab one if you'd like to. Maybe this morning you, you know that actually you believe that this is true, but you've never really responded. Jesus has died. He's risen for you for us all and he's just a prayer away if you want to respond to him this morning he'll hear you you just need to tell him yeah I believe too not just Thomas I believe I believe you died for me 
and paid for me. I believe you rose. And I really want to receive that new life that you came to bring. He's just a prayer away. So enter life. Second application. If it's all about life, this life, this relationship with God, those of us who know it, let's enjoy life. This life. This amazing privilege to know God, to have him live in us by his Holy Spirit. We can get used to that. We should never get used to that. That is an extraordinary privilege. It means, verse 19, peace. It's what Jesus repeatedly says, doesn't he? Peace be with you. Peace between us and God. It means, verse 20, joy. Uh, Before they knew Jesus alive, they're full of fear. After he appears to them, they're full of joy. These things, that they start with the truth. They start with what happened as we hear it, as we think about it. But then, as it kind of affects us, as it sort of beds down into us, it really does make these differences in our experience. And we know the truth because we know the person who is the truth. We know the Holy Spirit in our lives helping us to pray and to know God so if we know it let's enjoy it let's thank God for it daily let's keep our focus as we come out of lockdown let's enjoy that relationship in the same way as we enjoy any relationship by prioritizing by investing by time by remembering the good things about the person married people I hope you regularly take time to do that with your other half doing the things that build that relationship, asking, how can I love and serve my, my wife, my husband uh, during the week, and, week ahead? How can I strengthen my marriage? It needs thoughts, doesn't it? Andrew was sharing last week the heartache of uh, couples uh, that he knows, there's people I know, and their marriages haven't lasted through lockdown. Friends, Marriages need work. They need investment, don't they? They're relationships. We need to remember what's good about the other person as well as what we find hard. In our friendships, we need to do that too. I know I need to work at some of my friendships that I've just let kind of drift during the last year. I need to invest some time in some of those if they're going to be friendships into the future. Well, so too, a relationship with God yeah asking ourselves well what will what will help me to strengthen my understanding of his love the bible talks about it okay what am i going to read that's going to help me to understand that Uh, how am i going to grow in my kind of like faith in practice so that i'm learning and that's what our life groups are for that's what um We encourage you daily, everybody, to read a part of the Bible, even a tiny bit, just a verse, but just to read a bit of the Bible every day and to pray every day, to kind of enact that relationship, to strengthen that relationship, to get to know him better. And as we do those things, um, hearing, reading is believing, so our faith will deepen and grow. And then we put it into practice, as we do in any relationship, relationships change us, don't they? And so we put it into practice because then the faith in us will, will uh, encounter challenges, and so we'll have to go back to God for help with those challenges, but it will also be faith in action. 
as we talk to him in prayer, as we love others around us, as we thank him for his love for us and live out a relationship with God. That's the life that you and I were made for. It's the life that Thomas and the others discovered. They discover that there's reasons for it. There's actual evidence. It's solid. It's true. There's an underpinning. It's not just a nice thing to believe. It's a true story of what really happened. So Jesus is risen. The disciples saw and believed. They've told us so that we can hear and read and believe. And that by believing, we can have life in his name. So let's enter life and let's enjoy life. Let's enjoy that relationship with God that we're made for that we have such a privilege to enjoy through Jesus Christ. Let's enjoy it and prioritize it in our lives and live in that, uh, in that extraordinary blessing that, that he's won for us and that we have uh, the privilege of entering into day by day as we trust in him and follow him and grow in that relationship with him. Amen.